we're ministering or talking about ghost stories. And our version of ghost stories is not the how can we scare you, but it's how can we learn about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, as we uh, depend on which group you grew up under. And uh, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit and His ministry here in and to us and how we can live a life unto the Lord. Amen? The, uh, and many of us have a lot of questions when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, about um, His work, His ministry, and it's been, and, and like anything in life, uh, the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented by many, and uh, He has been missed, and we have, uh, let me see, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Many times we haven't represented him well. And uh, so in churches, we've, we've sensationalized him, and in the world, we've discounted him. But we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. Hallelujah. And uh, he's omnipresent, he is deity, he's God. So if you grew up in an age or an area where they told you something different, the scripture tells us totally different. And last week I shared a lot about that. And that's on the our web page or on our yeah, so you can pull that up and listen to that and get those scripture references for that. It's very important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit's God. We cannot minimize him. He's not a thing. That's right. He is a person. He's God. He's not something we possess. He's someone that we surrender to. And he works in and through us. Not just for a moment, not just for a time, but it is continually lives in us. And he causes us to die so that Christ can live. Before I get too far, Suzanne, it is so good to see you. Glad you're back in the house of the Lord today. You know, we had that big fear a few weeks ago, but that fear was turned into rejoicing. Amen. And so thankful that you're able to be with us again. And, and we're glad you're here, too. <laughs> her husband's with her, so I said, you know, it's okay that he's here. We love her, you know, it's okay that he's here. Romans, the eighth chapter. We read the first verse, and we get so excited, we stop. Okay? And it says, there is therefore now, which is immediately right now in the present, no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus. So we like that, don't we? You know, don't condemn me, right? You know, when you t- you can't throw nothing, no stones at me, I'm no longer condemned. I'm a, you know, I'm alive, and we just live in that moment, and we don't go any further. Uh, but today, we need to go a little bit further to them which are in Christ Jesus. The key here is the reason you don't have condemnation is because you surrendered your life to Christ. If you haven't surrendered to Christ, then you there is condemnation. There is guilt. And, and Paul here in this writing is going to talk about the law and talk about law here. And we have to understand that there are some laws of life. There's the law of gravity. Okay? So we understand that. What goes up will come down. If you toss it up, it's going to fall back to the ground. And as we get older, we experience the law of gravity in our body, don't we? <laughs> what was big and strong here gets down here after a while, right? So the law of gravity is always at work. There are certain laws of life that are always in operation. No matter where we go, what happens in life, they're always there. And in that, there was a law that was written, uh, written and given by God in the beginning with Moses at the, in the Old Testament when that was issued out. And that law is always in operation. Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to what? Fulfill it. And so because of that, you and I would still be under the law and we would be condemned men and women if it wasn't for Christ. So we we have to understand that there's a law that's at work here and that's what Paul is going to be talking about in this chapter. There's a law that's always in operation and at work. But thanks be unto God. And that's a scriptural quote. Thanks be unto God that we've been born again through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me see, uh, where was I? Who walked not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Brian's got it up there for us. So we walk not after the flesh, but after the 
Spirit. So the key is not walking after the carnal nature. Remember, we've been talking a lot about that lately, right? We've been talking about a lot about our body, living every day. And because some of us have trouble with this. You know, we speak out both sides of our mouth. You know, the old Indian Westerns, you speak with the fork of tongue, you know. You know, you can't do that, right? Bitter and sweet water should not, cannot come out of the same mouth. Cursings and blessings cannot come out of the same mouth. That shouldn't. So we need to reevaluate our heart if something other than blessings come out of our mouth. Oh, me. That's one of those oh, me statements, isn't it? (laughs) So we have to understand that we don't walk according to the flesh. Many people in the world we live in is flesh-driven. Our world is pleasure-driven. Isn't it? In the life we live in, everywhere you turn, everything that you see, everything that you hear is all about feeling good, and there are no limits, and there are no boundaries, and everything's okay in the life we live in in America. You can write your own rules. You can be your own God. And, and, you know, and everyone is going to the same place. Well, everyone that's doing that's going to the same place, I hate to say. Right? At the moment we continue to surrender to our flesh and our flesh controls us continually and we haven't surrendered that to Christ, then we're in trouble. And we can never say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn some more about that today. Okay, Brian, I'm going to go on. I could stay there all day, but I'm not. For the law of the Spirit of life, so there's a law, in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the Spirit of life has made me free. So there's a law that's there that God has put in operation, not a policy. It's a law. It's there and it's there forever. Okay? So we understand that. So it's the law of the spirit of life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And there's also the law of sin and death. So those are always there in operation. And a lot of times I never thought about it in that light. But they're always at work. Okay, I'm ready. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So the law of God could not bring us liberty, it could only bring us a covering. See, under the Old Testament, when you did a sacrifice, it covered our sin. It never freed us from sin. It never cleansed us from sin. It was a covering so that we can then go in before the presence of God. So when they would do the sacrifices, it would cover you, so that then they could go in. So the priest and everyone that was able to go in, the high priest who was able to go into the Holy of Holies, that covering was on him, so he had a covering so he could step into that Holy of Holies. See, you and I, through Jesus Christ, now the Holy of Holies abides within us. Whew, that's exciting, isn't it? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what happens is when you're born again, you die. You die. And you're born again. Everybody understand that? You die and then you're born again. What a powerful thought. And what a powerful truth. And because when you're born again, now what happens is your old nature, your flesh, is in rebellion to the new nature. Okay, and you and I have to deal with and battle this flesh. And the problem is we don't know how, nor are we able to defeat this flesh. You and I cannot defeat the flesh. If we could have defeated the flesh, then we would not have needed God. We would not have needed a Savior. 
So what happens is I still live in this fleshly body with the same appetites, the same things that bring pleasure, the same things I deal with all the time like you deal with. I still live in it, but the difference is the Holy Spirit now resides in me as I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, resides in me. He causes this inner man, this born-again man to rise up and for the flesh man to die. I am no longer compelled, controlled by the appetites of the flesh. I am now free to walk into power and the might of the Spirit of God. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay. Did I read that one? Yeah. For those, all right, for those who are according to the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. For those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So when you and I are born again of the Spirit, we can then walk after that. That is our mindset. That's our goal. That's why when you and I talk with people who have not been born again, and this is not us against them, this is us reaching and loving our entire world. There are no this over here and us over here. The only reason we're children of God is because of the grace of God. You and I have not earned it. We are not better than. We have been cleansed by the power of God. But for the grace of God, there I am. Amen? Oh, me? So we have to understand that. We don't stand there and say, oh, it's us and them. It's us. It's mankind that needs a Savior. So, so when I follow after that, and I follow after the flesh, now that I am walking in the Spirit, my mind and my heart and my flesh is no longer controlled by that. There's an inner being, inner force Within me is the power of the Holy Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of us know when we yield to something that controlled us in the past? We feel sick. We feel so defeated, right? But when you yield to the things of God, what do you feel? Freedom and peace, right? For to be carnally minded is death, and that's right, I'm good. I got a few more to go, don't I? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So the carnal mind cannot be subject to the things of God. It has to be a heartbeat of change through the Spirit of God. We're going to get to where I need to be with the Holy Spirit in a few minutes. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Okay. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Jesus's. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwell in you. Oh, praise God. And that quickening of your mortal body is not just at the time of the rapture, but it's also when your body is in trouble. That Spirit of God can rise up. That's why in in the 26th verse of this chapter, it talks about that the Holy Spirit is our help. He helps us in our time of need. Amen? I... I'm about to get excited in my old flesh here. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. All right? For if ye live according to the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So as I put this body to death, die, condemn it, and I allow the Spirit of God to rise up in me, then this flesh no longer controls me. For ye, if ye live according, or for as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. All right? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, right here. How many of us, when we've been born again through teachings in the church, have been controlled and condemned in our walk with God? Come on, am I the only one? You know, you remember? People used to say and tell us all this stuff. You know, you couldn't wear jewelry. Huh? 
and, and I'm going to make these corny phrases here for a moment. I, I hope that, anyway, you know, the uh, <laughs> lips that touch wine will never touch mine. You remember those statements, right? <laughs> huh? Isn't that right? Now, I don't drink. I don't really condone drinking. As a bishop, pastor, overseer, the Bible says for today, I can't. Because it says a bishop shall have no wine. And it says for no one to drink in excess. Period. And again, if you couldn't control it before you got saved, your, your flesh is going to control you one way or the other. And what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Okay, so you need to be mindful of that. On how you live accordingly. And just another thought is if you had it in your refrigerator and you invited your lost friend over to be with you, would that be a testimony to bring them to Christ or drive them from Christ? You and I have to think about it. It's not about just what I can and cannot do. It's about who I am now and what I am in, in, in Christ now. So am I condemning you if you had a beer? I'm not condemning you. I'm just not going to have one. Everybody understand that? And we can call it adult drinks, or we can call it alcohol, or whatever. And the church forever condemned you for it, and attacked you for it, and made you feel like you're the most guilty person in the world. Then you have the other side that says, I can do whatever I want to do. You and I need to understand that when we condemn one another, we then take on the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who convinces and convicts men of sin. It is the Holy Spirit. Is this a liberty for me to go do whatever? Be mindful that where you go, what you do, what you say is either bringing people to Christ or driving them from Christ. Okay, so the only condemning part I say in all of this is you be mindful because there's been far more people that think they can control those devices that have fallen and their life has ended up in the gutter along with everything else, not just in drinking, but in what they say, where they go, and how they live. The moment you think you can control this flesh yourself, you're going to put yourself back where you were. Oh, me? That's why I came to Christ, because I couldn't do it. So now I am not living in the bondage again to fear, but I'm living in the liberty of Christ. Amen? Amen? I live in freedom. And when you allow me to operate in freedom, I now no longer do those devices, not because I am told not to, but because I want to please Him. And it becomes for me a joy. Amen? So now I cry, what? Abba, Father, because I am made free by Him. And there's a liberty there with that. Is that the last one, I think? Is there one more, buddy? There we go. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When I yield to my flesh, my flesh says I am not a child of God. But when I yield to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God tells me that I am His child. Who do you want to listen to? So today, I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. And I want to give you some things, some outlines, some stuff, so you might want to get your pencil and paper out so you can use these tools to help you. All right? In conversion, the Holy Spirit brings conviction, so we don't need to condemn anyone. Right? I have done my share of trying to condemn people. And I'm sad to say it. The Holy Spirit doesn't go on vacation and he doesn't need Tim Bowen to go out here and say, Wayne! <laughs> right? Now, as an accountability partner, if I see somebody doing something, I can say, Wayne? Right? But as far as condemnation, I should not. So the Holy Spirit convicts. He awakens in us that need for a Savior. He draws us to Christ. He is regeneration. Without Him, there could be no regeneration. We could not be born again. So He draws us to Christ. He's part of the new birth. 
He's part of the baptism into the body of Christ. See, when I am born again, the Spirit of God abides in me. But there's a difference between the Spirit of God abiding in me and being baptized into the Holy Spirit. When I was baptized into water, I was immersed in water. See, when I am baptized in the Holy Spirit, I am immersed into the Holy Spirit, which is totally different than the Spirit of God just dwelling in me. So we can understand that part, okay? And remember, if you have questions, write them down. And then three weeks from now, we're going to have an open panel up here, and we're going to ask, ask, try our best to answer any question you have concerning the Holy Spirit. And if you don't feel comfortable standing and asking that question, write it down, and we will read it, and we will answer it. And we won't call your name unless you say, this is Tim Bowen, and I want everybody to know I asked this question. Everybody got that? So whatever your question is, we're going to do that. I love coming in and worshiping, and I love speaking, but we need to be informed on what the Word teaches us, and if this is the best way for us to get our knowledge, then we need to do that. Amen? So that's how we want to do that. So Christ is the baptizer into the Holy Spirit, which the Word teaches us. The believer is the one that's being baptized and in, in which that happens. The Holy Spirit, as we just read in, in here, is the one who brings that witness that we are the children of God. It tells us that you know, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So in John, 1 John 5.10 tells us, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in him. So once you and I believe, the witness is within us. Got all my notes here. There's a lot of notes here. The Holy Spirit helps us to sustain a spiritual life. It's not a one and done thing. So many times when you and I have yielded ourselves to the power of God and to the Spirit of God and something great has happened, then we just feel like, okay, what's next? And we're just kind of like floating around in life. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it in, as far as from the Old Testament and even to the New Testament of some certain things. Uh, you know, David practice with his sling and his rock every day he didn't know that when he carried the cheese and the stuff to his brothers when they were in battle against Goliath and against the Philistines he didn't know that day that he was going to be the one that God was going to use to free a nation he didn't have a clue that that was about to happen so what did he do he went anyway but because he was prepared he could be used. And many times we say, okay, if I know that this problem or this thing in life is about to happen, then I'll prepare myself. No. We need to yield to the Spirit of God every day so that when things do come our way, we are ready for what's about to take place. We don't have to leave and go get ready and say, well, excuse me, give me three months so I can go off and pray and seek God and then I'll come back. No, once you get to that place and to that moment, God wants you to be ready. So in everyday life, if I have my walk with Christ in the manner that it should be, I'm a student of the Word, I'm a student of prayer, I'm spending time in His presence, and I may go every day, and every day may be the same. It may seem that life is really life. You know, it's nothing great, nothing bad, nothing good. But then all of a sudden, one day, you're faced with something that you didn't realize what was going to happen. You got a phone call. You got someone happen over here with this person or God put you in this place. And all of a sudden, at that moment, in that time, the Spirit of God is ready to move in and through you. You and I have to be ready for Him to move in and, to, and through us. We have to be in tune with who He is and what He's wanting to do in our life. Amen? So we have to sustain that. On the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter has spent those days in prayer along with the other disciples 
before the Spirit of God came in on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.1. Before then, they were in the upper room praying and seeking God and got in one accord so that when the time came and the Spirit of God came and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, then on that day he stood and preached to a multitude and over 3,000 people were saved. He didn't know that morning that this was the morning that it was going to happen. He didn't know that morning that this was going to be one of the greatest events in the church world itself. He only knew that he had to get up and he had to seek God and he sought God and as a result of it, God baptized him in the Holy Spirit that morning and by the afternoon over 3,000 people had gotten saved. Isn't that amazing? See, when you and I yield and we... The Bible says as they were going to the temple, which was their custom, it was their lifestyle where they came into the presence of God. The Holy Spirit leads us into a life of victory. The Holy Spirit leads us into a life of victory. We need to hear that. How many Christians walk in defeat every day? And if you look at some of us and some of our lifestyles, how we act and how we respond and how we complain about everything, and you came up to witness me, I would not want what you have. Is that not true? I want something that's, that's alive. I want, I mean, it doesn't mean we don't have problems. We do have problems. If you're in this world, we have problems. But I need to focus more on the one who's redeeming than the one who's condemning. I need to focus on the one who's giving me life instead of the one who's trying to take it away. Amen? And it's a rut. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we do in life and we, before we realize it. We, you know, you can find out where someone is in their life within five minutes of a conversation. Hello, how are you doing? Great, blah, blah, blah. You know, how about them Gamecocks last night? So that was important, right? Those, those things are there. And Clemson, yeah, it's okay. I do that for you. Anyway, it's, see, we, we find out what's important to us immediately. We find out about the biggest fish we caught. We find out how hard work is. We find out what we're going through in life. And we find out, you know, that the sink messed up and I had to replace it. We find out that all these things in life are going around us. Within the first five minutes, we find out where we are in life. In those first five minutes, how many times do we bring glory to God first and then bring the other to it first? Life is hard, but God is good. It brings new meaning. And my statement to you on this is not that I have mastered that. That's the reality. The only reason I know that's where people are, that's where I am. So he leads us into victory. He condemns my flesh. I must decrease so that Christ can increase. He helps us to mortify, put the deeds of our flesh down. We read that. Part of this life of victory is the bearing of the fruit. In a couple of weeks, we're going to learn about what the fruit of the Spirit is. And how that fruit's going to be in operation in our life. There, there needs to be evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in us. There needs to be an evidence of it. Next week we're going to learn more about this, but there's going to be intercession and worship. The Holy Spirit is come to speak of Christ. He does not come to speak of Himself. So in that, in you, He's going to be exalting Christ. So that intercession and that worship... There'll be times, we talked about it briefly last week, that you want to pray, but you don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit helps you pray. And same thing in worship. He takes you to an avenue. See, it's not in our nature to make something greater than we are. If I exalt you, then that means that I say you're greater than I am at something. And we have trouble with that as people. As general. In general, we people have trouble with that. Because... You know, you are good, but, you know, we want to find a little flaw in whatever's going on, you know. No matter what happens, it can be 99.99.99% perfect, 
and we'll find that little tiny thing that we think is imperfect so we can feel good about ourselves because we're not perfect. <clears throat> so in life, in those things, it's not in our nature to surrender. It's not in our nature to exalt even the Lord because we feel if we exalt Him, then we're going to be less ourselves. But here's the newsflash. The Holy Spirit's going to cause you to become less so that He can become greater, so He can exalt you in due time. That doesn't make sense, does it? So I must decrease so He can increase. But if He increases in me, in this flesh, in this body, in this person, then there He is interceding before the Father. And my needs are great. And he says, Father, Tim's needs are great. I just want us to move in him right now. He turns his face towards us. And all of a sudden, God moves in us. Why? Because I have decreased so he can increase. And at that moment, he exalts. That's, That's heavy. He gives us guidance. There have been times in my life that... um, I just didn't know what to do. You ever had decisions you were supposed to make and you didn't know whether to make it or not? Right? And you're wondering, what am I supposed to do? You know, then you go to your buddy and say, man, what do you think about this? Well, and then we get that, you know, good guy advice, which is a good guy advice. And then we go over to this person and then they give us the good guy advice. And then we go to someone younger, somebody older, and we go to someone more educated than us, and we go to all these people, and we are asking for help, which is not a bad thing. We're asking for help. Instead of just saying, Holy Spirit, would you guide me? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, but I surrender to you. I've used this illustration before. It was a book I read years ago, and, um, and it talks about the Jesus chair. And in it, this particular man, every time he made a decision, in his office, he was an executive. He put a chair out. He had a chair in his office that nobody sat in. And here was his desk. And here was his chair, Jesus' chair, just to the side. And so anytime he had to make a decision, he would turn around and sit in that. And he would talk to that chair. And finally, one day, some of the executives came in. And they were looking at him and said, what is that chair? That's kind of an odd spot. What is that chair for? He said, oh. That's my Jesus chair. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, every time I need to make a decision, I have a question in life, I have a question. That's the first place I go for guidance and help. And I began to talk to him. And when I talked to him, I found out that's a better decision. They said, that's your secret to success? He said, it's all about him. When it's all about him, then he brings the success that's needed. So you and I need to go to the one who is our God, who is our help. And we find that through the Holy Spirit, he will do that. So some of the things that we need to understand there are the works of the Spirit and how he works in and through us. I want to look at my time. I've got a couple more things I want to tell you that are really important. Okay, I've got plenty of time, hopefully. See, we don't understand about the spirit of grace. We don't understand about the the spirit of life. We don't understand about the spirit of adoption or the spirit of holiness or the spirit of supplications or the spirit of truth. And we don't understand how God can move in in and through us through the spirit of his glory. Are there seven different spirits in that realm? No, there's one. But these are all characteristics and attributes of the Holy Spirit. He brings us grace, unmerited favor. When time, even as a child of God, when I stumble and fall, and we know that passage in 1 John, it says, little children sin not, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus the righteous who is the perpetuation for our sins. We know that that is there. But then the Holy Spirit says, Tim, come. 
bow before me. Bow your heart before me. So that Christ can then reunite this heartbeat again. Because all of us have stumbled. None of us have been perfect in our walk with Christ. But all of us have been drawn back again by the Spirit of God. That Spirit of grace. See, even as we learned early on when, and through the works of the Holy Spirit, that He's the one who draws us to Him. And as we yield to Him, and as we do that, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid to respond and to surrender to Him because He's God. He loves us. He has our best interest at heart. He brings us to that place. Through the Spirit of God. Life. He freed me from the life of the law of the sin and death. Remember? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life, what? More abundantly. There is divine healing for the Christian. There is divine healing in the body. Ultimately, divine healing would be when we're gone home to be with him. That's the perfect healing. Even though Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, later on he died. Okay? We have to understand that, that death can still come. Pain and sorrow still can come to this body. But there's also divine healing that comes as we surrender to him. If he chooses to heal me of cancer, praise God. If he chooses to heal me of of MS, praise God. If he chooses to heal me from whatever disease I may or may not have, praise God. But if he chooses not to, praise God. No matter what's going on inside of me, I will praise the Lord. And what did uh, Jonah say? Though yet, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Right? It's always about worship with him. Of adoption, I am his child. Legally in America, if you're adopted, you have more rights to the family than someone who is a born into the family. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Learned that through the years. We are adopted into the kingdom, into the family of God. Now, thankful that the Lord doesn't yield to or is governed by the laws of America. But he has called us his children, the spirit of adoption, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. So now I can enter into the presence of God Almighty and say, Father. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Through the spirit of God, that's made possible. Holiness. It's more than a lifestyles of do's and don'ts. God is holy. That's his nature. That's who he is. He does, and, and this is hard for me at times to understand and, and to realize, and, and it's this. What he kicked out of heaven and Satan, he's not going to allow back in by you and me. He's not going to compromise who he is God is holy. That's who he is. And we become holy because of him. Amen? Amen. So that spirit of holiness is at work. So when Tim opens his mouth and says something he shouldn't say, the spirit of holiness says, what are you saying? Correct it. And how do we correct it most of the time? We just avoid that person from then on, right? <laughs> and ain't that how we do it? We have to understand that God is the enemy of sin. But he loves the sinner. When we surrender to the Holy Spirit, He's going to point out as we go along those layers of my life that I need to surrender to him and walk away from. And, and I liken it unto this, and Jonathan, you'll come. 
I liken it unto this. I am now in my 40th year of marriage at the end of, or 39th year. At, uh, next August, Cheryl and I will be married 40 years. Yay. I am b- above average. You know the average of marriage in America now lasts five years? Five. So I am, and one thing in my life I'm above average on, and that's marriage. But, you know, once I committed my heart to her, I didn't stop pursuing women because I was married. I stopped pursuing women because I was in love with my wife. She is my heartbeat and my and my bride. So I don't bring her a flower or send her a special note or say something special to her because she requires it. I do it because I love to do that. When I bring that heartbeat and attitude into my walk with God, and I walk in His holiness, and I walk in His truth, and I walk this lifestyle, it's not because He's got His thumb on me and threatening to kick me out. It's because I want to. Because He's redeemed me. He's forgiven me of my sin. He's given me new life. He's given me a hope. And when that Holy Spirit at work in me, I don't do those other things anymore because... It's a requirement. I do it because I want to please Him. And I want to worship Him. He changes us from the inside out. That's the great news. It doesn't mean that my life is better than anyone else's. It just means I love Him. And this is what works for me. This is how I want to do that. This is how I want to live unto Him. And the Holy Spirit makes that possible. When He's at work in me and I yield to Him, these works, these laws, this Spirit at work in me nullifies my flesh and the acts of my flesh so that I can surrender to Him. And all of a sudden, there's more freedom and not doing something than there was in doing something. There's more freedom in living unto God every day than there's ever been before. And, I, and it's not because somebody's pointing a finger at me, because, but it's because I love Him. And see, when we get to that point of our heartbeat and our walk with God, everything changes. Because we're changed by the power of God. My brothers loved me dearly when I was growing up. They demonstrated that love to me regularly by telling me that mom and dad found me on the side of the road. They just took me in. Now, really wasn't their child, my mom and dad's child. I was just some misfit out here. And, and it's five through 20, or now through five through 60, I still hear that message. How that they did that and picking on me, the little brother. I was the youngest. And no matter how many times I went back to my mom and asked her, and she reassured me over and over and over again that I was really hers and I was part of the family, it didn't matter. Every time they said it, I had to come back and ask it for it again. One of the great works of the Holy Spirit. Every time the enemy, every time my flesh says, you're really not a child of God. You failed, you messed up. The Holy Spirit says, Nah, this is what took place. You've been changed. And then all of a sudden I cry, Abba Father. 
because of the witness of the Holy Spirit that resides in me and to the Father. See, the world, everyone around us will say different stuff. And you and I will stumble. We'll say something or something will happen in our life and we'll feel such guilt and shame. And, and if it's wrong, then we need to repent. But at the same time, when we come to Him and we surrender to Him, He forgives us of that sin. That's so awesome, isn't it? In life, we may pay the consequence. But in God, there's forgiveness. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life. Do not be afraid to call on Him. Do not be afraid to surrender to to who He is. And don't be afraid to say, Father, I'm just learning about this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing. And I've heard so many things through the years. You know, and I don't want to roll on the floor. I don't want somebody beat me on the head. And that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about surrendering to Him and saying, Father, would you baptize me through Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And just surrender that to Him. Because I want to walk a life of fullness and in holiness before you. And I promise you, when you do, you're going to be in for the greatest surprise of your life. Because it's about surrendering to Him. Amen. Father God, we trust You. In our world and day we live in, we trust You, God. The Holy Spirit. We need Your help, Holy Spirit. Every day. Though our flesh wages a war in us, you're our calm, you're our peace. You bring joy, you bring help, you bring hope. You bring so much. I'm going to tell you when, with the stories about a story for me personal uh, I was raised in church I needed one of those revolving doors because I was in and out in and out even as a teen and uh, when I was 17 uh, I was active again in the church and had surrendered again and again to the Lord you know and uh, the church I grew up in uh, was strong in teaching on the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I told you last week about my experience at camp. And, and uh, so I was afraid. I was afraid of that. I've seen so many times how people had misused and, 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 and did it out of ignorance, not out of, of, of a hurtful heart. But I was still afraid. I was afraid to surrender to the Lord. And, and we were walking down the, the hallway downstairs at church, and one of the other young men in the church that was like a, a youth leader, and I was part of the church, and uh, one of the young men that we were walking down the hall with, we said, uh, he said, Tim, he wants to ask the Lord to baptize him in the Holy Spirit. Did, would you pray with me? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but I'm not baptized, but sure, I'll pray. So we are praying for this guy. And lo and behold, before I realized it, the Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit. You know, in the basement, in the hallway of the church. It wasn't up front. It wasn't in front of anyone. It wasn't with a preconceived idea of what it was supposed to be like. It was just, I was in that place of surrender and trusting and asking. And as a result of the Lord did a marvelous thing in me. Changed my life. So what I want to tell you is when I came in and I had prayed and asked before, but I was so rigid in how I asked and so many walls up around me about who the Holy Spirit was, I never really opened up and surrendered until that day. So all my preconceived ideas were gone because I was concentrating on someone else and not me. Okay.
So what I'm going to tell you is get to a place where you say, Lord, here I am. In your time, in your way, however you want to do this, God, I surrender to you. You know, and the amazing thing is when you do, and you say, how will I know it? You'll know it. You'll know. I don't want to lay out such a hard, rigid plan and step for you. You will know. Because he has a way that he does it. And how he does it is how he does it. How's that? Is that a good way to say it? Because too many times all of us have heard how churches have done it and we try to conform to a church way instead of a scriptural way. We just need to surrender to him and let him do what he does best in us. How's that? I'm not compromising how he does it. I'm just telling you, if I told you exactly how to do it and it didn't happen that way, that's what you're looking for the way I'm telling you instead of who he is and saying, Holy Spirit, here I am. Lord Jesus, here I am. Ask him. He will not shame you. He is good. Amen. He's good. And when you and I surrender, life is better than it will ever be in your life. Does it mean you will have hardships? Sure. But I got hardships now. I had hardships before I got saved. God's not Santa Claus. Right? He's God. Father, again, we thank you for today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to baptize us with your power and your might and your Holy Spirit. We surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Speak, move in our hearts and lives. And Lord, we let down that wall of fear of doubt, of even questions. And we say, Father, we trust you. Holy Spirit, we trust you. Lord Jesus, we trust you. Do what you will in me today and every day. 